Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! And we're back together. Yes! <laughs> I uh, had some extra projects that I needed to get done, and thank you so much for doing the podcast by yourself while I was working on that. No problem. Uh, so today, we're going to be talking about supporting the human body in high heat, and especially high heat plus high humidity yeah. situations, uh, because that's the, the month a lot of us in uh, our part of the world have been having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the first in a series of um, episodes that we're going to do on herbalism and climate change. And this whole combination of high heat plus high humidity poses unique um, dangers, unique risks for human beings, probably for all mammals, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, Certainly you've heard about um, how especially this has been problematic in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this month, this season so far. And we're still pretty early in the season. You know, the likelihood is that this is just getting started, that we're going to continue to see this again this year. Um, and in future years as well. So we want to make some plans now and get ourselves ready. Mm -hmm. But first, uh, let's just give you our reclaimer and remind you that we are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So we're not trying to present a dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everybody's body is different. So the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some good information to think about and some ideas to research further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, but it does mean that the final decision when considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, is always yours to make. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, one other thing about this time of year, um, July, you know, it's a time when in this country people are thinking about independence. Um, But this is when I like to spend a lot of time thinking about how we're not really as independent as we think we are. Um, In this country, there's so much value placed on the idea of independence, the idea that, um, you know, somebody can just go it alone. But that's really not how it works. And even if we look at it uh, historically, you know, we think about our independence from England uh, in this country, but uh, that's not even true. Like the United States and England are strong allies. So I guess we do need each other after all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it, if it doesn't even work in international politics, then why should we expect this to happen on the, on the individual level? Mm. But it's, it's so culturally ingrained in us, uh, not only the idea that independence is good in and of itself, but the idea that the way to have value is to be independent and to be not independent (laughs) Mm. is bad, uh, that we have to be very deliberate about breaking this idea down and remembering that humans are community creatures. It's not always easy to be in community, but the very moment the trouble hits, we realize that, in fact, it is necessary. Yeah. You know, we think dependence is somehow something that needs to be avoided, but that that can't be avoided. Like we do, we are dependent on one another. Um, and this week there has been a lot of trouble. Um 
you know, with the heat everywhere, not this week, but this, this month. month. Yeah. yeah, this whole month with the heat everywhere. And then in Texas, the electrical grid is, I guess, failing Struggling. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's been incredible heat in Canada. The wildfires are... Um, in, I want in full swing. Yeah, I wanted to say starting up, but we're long past starting up. Mm. Um, and also, like a minute ago, the ocean was on fire. So, um, yeah, the climate situation is really going to force us to recognize that we have to be in this together. That we have to rely on one another. Um, some people will still try to just worry about themselves and leave everybody else behind, right? Certain billionaires who want to get close to space are coming to mind. <laughs> but the truth is we need one another. Yeah, yeah. And as herbalists, you know, we're we're well suited to these times, honestly. You know, our tools don't depend on petroleum. Uh, they don't have to be shipped long distances. We can grow them right where we are. And herbalists can be available to everyone. Uh, this has always been a, a kind of community support work. Plus, we can teach others, and in that way we can multiply our impact. So, you know, we're, we're pretty excited to be herbalists in these times, yeah. is, is what we're getting at here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, pretty much every day in every location, it's a good time to be an herbalist right now. Because I think at this point, everyone has gotten the message that it's not just, oh, poor the people who have hurricanes, or oh no, those poor people on the West Coast who have fires, or... Oh, the poor people in wherever who have that kind of natural disaster problem that doesn't affect me where I live. I think at this point, we're all recognizing that this kind of problem is for all of us, actually. Even if we live in places that haven't typically had a lot of natural disaster type scenarios, that's not necessarily true anymore. Right. Yeah. So here, let's take just a moment and mention the Emergent Responder Program mm. uh, that you that you put together. Yeah. Um, so this is a complete program to prepare you for anything, which is good since things are happening that people never thought they'd have to deal with, you know? Yeah. Um, who in the Pacific Northwest thought that they'd be dealing with epic heat? Or who in Texas thought that they'd be dealing with serious cold, you know? Killing you know, I, cold. I grew up in Texas mm -hmm. and... Um, I, I remember when 50 degrees was like, oh my goodness, you know, and, and get the parka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it snowed once in my entire childhood. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not enough anymore to just be kind of ready for the same old thing that has usually happened because the same old things are getting stronger and Hey, there are entirely new things that we get to deal with too. Yeah. So the emergent responder program has been, or is built to prepare you to support yourself support your loved ones, support your community, even if help never comes. And I think that's a really important factor because, um, you know, our emergency response people are stretched to the limit already. And we have to be able to fill those gaps. Um, so don't worry, there's plenty in the program about how to work together with governmental and non-governmental relief agencies. But again, like we're, there just aren't enough of them to go around. So in order to be ready to take care of ourselves, this course is going to teach you basically everything you need, everything from how to organize your community groups, how to get the supplies that you need, how to create safe shelter spaces, how to find people who are missing um, how to do triage, how to ration supplies um, in an equitable way, how to build things like sanitation stations and water purifications and communal food service areas, but also how to organize your first aid and your longer term care station, mm -hmm. um, 
how to plan out what supplies you'll need, how to make supplies if you don't have them or if you run out of them, Mm -hmm. how to care for basically everyone in the community, the young, the elderly, people who are pregnant or have just given birth, folks who have chronic illness and need support, folks who are more vulnerable to the situation. Um, We talk about how to contain disease, like communicable diseases, how to even deal with the dead and support the grieving, Mm -hmm. um, and how to start the rebuild effort. So like literally everything is in there. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's very very comprehensive. You know, you worked really hard on it. Um, A lot of people have taken this course after a disaster, uh, and pretty much all of them have written back to us and said that if they had known these things in advance, it would have made that event a lot easier to get through. Um, so at this point, I honestly feel like we should be, all of us, all the Yerbal community, right, should be teaching these kinds of skills um, of these these community first responder skills, like in public schools even, <laughs> would, be, would be fantastic, you know. Yeah. But until then, uh, you can check this course out. Uh, and by the way, this is appropriate for teenagers, tweens as well, um, with some parental support. Mm-hmm. Um, they, can, they can go through that course together with you, you know. Yeah. Um, and hey, don't forget that we do have a special coupon code for our podcast listeners. You can use the code podcast at checkout and you can get $50 off. Yeah. So uh, there is a whole discussion about heat injury and, and yeah. uh, associated concerns in the emergent responder course, but uh, you're going to get a piece of that today right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really want to break some of this down. Um, you know, in in New England, we we weren't quite as bad as it was in the Pacific Northwest, but it was really hot with about 100% humidity. And <laughs> now it's a little less hot, but it's still like 99% humidity. Yeah. So this is really on my mind right now, um, especially the humidity part, because humans cool the body with sweat. The sweat evaporates, and it is through that process of evaporation that the body becomes cooler. Yeah, right? that's how the heat kind of gets drawn off of your of your body and, and gets into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know? So that works great in a hot environment. And this is why people often say, yeah, but it's a dry heat. And like, I can remember as a kid, again, growing up in Texas, in August, sometimes it would be like 115 and... And like everybody was like, yeah, but it's a dry heat, you know, And because as soon as you went outside, you never sweat. You went outside and it just the sweat evaporated before you even had a chance to sweat it. Yeah. So you don't you don't like feel like you're covered in <laughs> right. covered in sweat. You but... don't feel like you're covered in heat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's because it's moving. Right. It's moving away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, dry heat really is more comfortable than a than a damp heat to to a certain point. Right. Yeah, above, obviously. <laughs> above a certain point. It doesn't matter if it's dry. You know, uh, that much exposure time is, is the critical thing. You know, you can still get into serious trouble there. But that certain point is a lot higher in a dry heat situation mm-hmm. because if it's dry, sweat will evaporate right off the skin real quick and that will allow your body to regulate your internal temperature. Yeah. But, you know, when it's humid, the survivable temperature and certainly the comfortable temperatures <laughs> are much lower because if the air is already full of water, the sweat you make is just going to sit there. It's not going to evaporate off of the skin. So you're still sweating, but cooling isn't actually happening because the cooling doesn't really happen until evaporation occurs. So this is what they're referring to. Um, You may have heard recently some discussion about what's called wet bulb temperature. This is basically a way to measure what amount of heat is tolerable or even survivable uh, for a given amount of humidity. Um, Again, it's, it's simple. The lower the humidity, the, the more heat we can, we can survive. 
the higher the humidity, the less heat we can survive. This yeah. is why, uh, you know, a hot but seemingly survivable temperature, like 95 degrees, even 90 degrees, can actually be very dangerous. If it's 95 degrees with super high humidity, then this is not actually going to be survivable for many people, you know, without some climate control, uh, yeah. some availability of ice or cold water or other things that can help them to to get through the day. That, I think, has like continues to be really shocking to me that like 95 can you know and even 90 90 92 93 that these temperatures can be deadly temperatures i mean they're hot it's not like i would ever say that 95 isn't hot but i wouldn't expect it to be something that could truly be life-threatening and then when you add in that that humidity aspect that's really what we have like it, it mm. really truly is life-threatening yeah now, when we when we talk about herbs to help people tolerate heat, oftentimes the first sort of herbal category to come up is demulsants. So this is things like marshmallow root, herbs that, that get a slimy, we say mucilaginous texture when you soak them in cool water. So these herbs help us stay hydrated better because they're, they're more than just water, right? Mm. They, they have electrolytes in there. Uh, that's, that's mineral content, right? Um, and that's important for, for our physiology and, and even for the sweating response itself. Um, but they also have these, these mucilagins that are soothing to mucous membranes that are protective to these sensitive tissues in the body. And when you're sweating a lot, you've got to be replacing that fluid and those minerals too, so that you don't end up dehydrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so the herbs in this category, like you said, marshmallow root, also linden, um, slippery elm, although... We typically try to avoid slippery elm just because it's at risk due to Dutch elm disease. But many, many elms will still do this work, including Siberian elm, which in many regions is considered an invasive. So mm. that would be an excellent one to work with. Yeah. Um, violet also can be in this category, especially if you make it uh, with the fresh leaves. Yeah, and any seaweeds. Yes, and any of the seaweeds, maybe those won't be as delicious to drink as a cold <laughs> infusion tea. But but they'll get those minerals in they you. Will, they will. They will, they will the supply your electrolytes for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So all of these have that demulcent action, that mucous membrane soothing action, and they all have mineral content as well. So they'll all help to support the body when it gets dried out. Um, so dried out because of too much heat in the environment. Also, also all of these are very helpful uh, topically for burns. So if you find yourself sunburned in this kind of a situation, which is entirely likely, right? Because yeah. maybe you have to be outside, it's hot, so you're not, you don't want to wear a ton of clothing and then oops, sunburn. Um, and sunburn in a hot situation is really dangerous because um, when you have a sunburn, it's very, very difficult for the body to regulate the temperature. Mm -hmm. So all of these herbs are going to be helpful, especially in a dry heat situation, because they help the body to stay hydrated so that you don't dehydrate through the sweat process. Yeah. So the best way to prepare those herbs uh, is going to be with a cold infusion. That doesn't have to be like you know, cold like in the refrigerator, although you can do that if you want to, uh, but room temperature should be sufficient for this. The key here is that it doesn't need to be boiling water, and in fact, you'll actually get a faster and more slimaceous effect <laughs> with uh, room temperature or cool water than you will with heated water. 
um, fast being relative there. You know, it'll take two to four hours to really extract well. Um, and also, this doesn't preserve super well. So it gets a funny flavor uh, fairly quickly, you know, eight to 12 hours after you've, you've set it up to infuse. Um, definitely, that's going to be more like eight uh, hours if it's a very hot situation. Um, but, you know, if you can, uh, it does make sense to put it in the fridge, not just to preserve it, uh, but also drinking it cold is going to be helpful yeah. <laughs> on yeah. a hot day. Cooling know? down the core of your body. Right. Yeah. 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 Normally I'm not a fan of cold beverages because they cool down the body um, and especially cool down the digestive system too much. But like in this case, that's actually what we're trying to do. That's what we, in fact, need to do. Um, and, you know, we've we've been talking about hydration and demulsants in this sort of dry heat situation, or at least I keep saying it, but I just want to point out that um, it it's still important in this humid heat situation too, because even though the sweat is not cooling you off, you're still creating the sweat. Yeah. So you're in a really humid environment. You feel covered in dampness. You probably are not thrilled to be drinking a ton because right. you're probably already feeling very soggy. Mm -hmm. But just the same as in a dry heat situation where you are sweating everything out and you need to replenish it, you're still sweating everything out and you still need to replenish it even though it doesn't feel like yeah. you should need to do that. Yeah, so you can still end up dehydrating that way. <clears throat> yeah. Right, yeah. So a couple other factors for hydration status. Uh, first off, the body will absorb more liquid and faster if there is some sugar, uh, which could be honey or it could be maple syrup, uh, in the mixture. So you do want to put some of that in. You know, normally we do try to limit sugar consumption, yes, of course, uh, but in this kind of situation, um, if you don't have honey, if you don't have maple syrup, put some white sugar in there. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, the survival <laughs> issue is, is much more important um, than worrying about uh, a, cup, a teaspoon of sugar today yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Above, your, above your baseline consumption, you know? Yeah, it doesn't have to be like as much sugar as a soda would have, but, you know, a spoonful of sugar is going to be important in there. Yeah, it's serving, it's serving a, a, you know, physiological function or a medicinal purpose in a way. Um, there have been studies done on this. And, and look, uh, you're not going to get this effect from uh, alternative sweeteners. You know, even stevia, it's a great plant and everything, but it's not going to help uh, with this particular function because the sweet from stevia is not a sugar. It's a different kind of, of, a, of a chemical. Um, other fake sugars uh, or sugar alcohols or things like that, um, they're also not going to work. It has to be actual carbohydrate. <laughs> yeah, it, it really speeds the absorption and increases the like increases the speed of absorption and increases the rate of absorption. So the amount that you are able to absorb and the speed with which you do it. Yeah. And you know, those demulcent plants we were talking about, they do have some sugar content or better said some polysaccharide content. These are like sugars, but bigger, <laughs> <They're> <laughs> more, more complex molecules, you know, that's what actually makes them, them slimy. Those, those complex polysaccharides are a type of plant sugar. But even if you're making that infusion, go ahead and put a little honey in there, a little white sugar, whatever. Um, and that will help with the hydration effect. Mm-hmm. So the second thing that you need to speed and improve hydration is mineral content. Um, and you can think about Gatorade in this situation, right? Um, so these demulcents like marshmallow uh, already have some mineral content, but especially if you're exposed to high heat for a longer period of time, 
you might need more than is just available in the demulcent herbs. And honestly, in our culture today, most people are not getting enough mineral content from the diet. So people might be coming into this high heat situation already with depleted mineral reserves. And so, so now when they start to sweat a bunch out, um, that means that the mineral balance inside the body is not, not being able to be maintained. And at that point we can have like cardiovascular problems. You know, your heart requires certain minerals to be in a really finicky balance in the body. And if you're sweating everything out and you don't have the minerals to replace it, then that can cause heart problems. And that's just one of the problems that can happen, but it is a very common heat related problem. Yeah. So thinking preventatively, um, you know, start, start now or start yes. yesterday uh, <laughs> to get some mineral density into your food and your drinks and your, and your life. Um, mm -hmm. A few different ways to accomplish that. Uh, you can do that with a mineral um, additive or supplement uh, such as Concentrase or Megamag. These are liquid mineral supplements that we work with fairly often. And they're simple. You just add a squirt to, or a few drops in, in, in some products to things that you drink. Um, and uh, they boost you up. You can also work with a powdered version like Natural Calm that has uh, magnesium primarily in it. Um, we kind of prefer Concentrase or Mega Mag because they have a broader spectrum of minerals, but we'll sort of take what we can get in, uh, yeah. in, in the moment, you know, in the, in the day of the heat wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. Like Natural Calm is just magnesium citrate. So um, you're getting magnesium, but not all the other minerals. And it would be nicer to get all of them, but yeah, yeah. take whatever we can get. Yeah. You can complexify it a little bit if you add a pinch of salt. Um, and here, you know, ideally this would be like a, like a pink mountain salt or a sea salt of some kind, uh, because those are going to be more than just sodium chloride. Right. right. But again, if, if this is all we've got and, and you're, I don't know, visiting somebody and all you have is water and table salt, Still, a little pinch of salt little... into that water will actually help. Yeah. You know, a little pinch of salt, a little spoonful of sugar, um, that'll hydrate the system a lot more effectively than the plain water would. Mm -hmm. You don't want so much salt that it tastes like seawater. Um, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. We're not. Uh, we're not trying to drink the ocean here. Yeah. 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 In I... fact, it sh like it shouldn't taste salty at all. It really is like a pinch. Like in a, you could you could count the grains it yeah. could be like 20 little salt bits <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know can, like whatever yeah, yeah you can adjust it we're talking like a single glass there but yeah yeah okay so you can do that and you can also reach for your high mineral herbs like nettles red clover even tulsi and peppermints you know they're often uh like thought of as like not really nutritive in that way but they have but in fact have a good have a good content mm -hmm. um you know, dandelion leaf, uh, all kinds of different plants are going to have a lot of uh, mineral content to offer. We keep in mind that nettle, red clover, and honestly, a lot of our mineral-rich herbs, think of like horsetail, for instance, are quite drying in nature. And since our purpose here is to hydrate the system well, we want to make sure that, you know, marshmallow or other demulcents are the larger part of the formula, right? We can put all of these together into the same blend. Um, and uh, let them infuse. Or you could have your demulcent cold infusions, and then you could also make some mineral-rich tea and kind of alternate through the day. You've got options with that. Um, but uh, you do want to be cognizant of the the, uh, the energetics or the qualities of the herbs that you're, that you're working with, and mm. make sure that you're balancing out drying and moistening influences. 
if you're a person who tends towards, um, you know, dampness anyway, if you kind of have a tendency towards edema or your body holds onto water um, very easily, then in that high heat, honestly, a little bit of nettles or something might be quite comfortable because a lot of times in high heat, that can actually exacerbate edema symptoms. Um, so you might find it very comfortable to drink um, the nettles straight, actually because of the of the drying aspect. But then it'll be important to just kind of balance that and be have a lot of awareness in your body because at that point you're balancing, okay, well, I want to um, help move the fluids around in my body. Um, and so I'm going to work with these herbs that have some drying actions to do that, but I don't want to completely dry myself out. I do want to recognize I'm in an environment where it would be easy to get dehydrated, um, even though I'm a person that tends towards dampness. So I want to make sure that I am getting both influences in the body. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So everything we've been describing so far is going to be simpler in the dry heat situation. Mm -hmm. Keep the person hydrated, have some cool drinks coming in, all of that. But staying hydrated and helping the body to sweat is really only part of the equation. Because remember, you can't cool the body down effectively if it's so humid that the sweat doesn't dry on your skin and allow that evaporative process to take place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the deeper question is how can we create conditions to make the air cooler and drier? or to improve that that perspiration function in the body, and preferably to do this with the, the least energy input. <laughs> right, right. Because, you know, um, the energy input is part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not to say like, I mean, if you need, if you need to use air conditioning, you need to use air conditioning. And right now there are some situations in which um, it has become not actually optional. Yeah. Um, but being able to encourage um, cooling with other options that don't require energy input will make our air conditioning more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, herbs to the rescue, uh, they can help <laughs> to make this work easier. So let's start with that. First thing is we've got to keep those pores open, right? All of those tiny pores on your skin are like windows. When you're cold, you clamp them down to hold the heat in. And when you're hot, you can open them to help you sweat and to release heat. But if you're tense, which can happen as a normal response to stressful situations, including just the stress of the heat itself, mm. uh, then it's hard to keep those pores open. The tension is clamping things down. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a place for our relaxing and cooling diaphoretics. And we have quite a list here. Um, we can think about uh, elderflower and linden and catnip and lemon balm and all of the minty mints like peppermint, peppermint and spearmint. spearmint, watermint, mountain mint, uh, the ones they call chocolate mint, which is a variety of peppermint, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a fancy one. So that's cool. Tulsi, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And then our cooling diaphoretics are plants like skullcap and passionflower and betony and motherwort and vervain and hay. All those are kind of bitter. That's uh, it's that connection between bitterness and cooling qualities, mm -hmm. you know, that we see in, in traditional herbalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I also want to make a, a special 
uh, shout out to Lobelia here, um, especially if you're holding a lot of physical tension, because while I wouldn't necessarily classify Lobelia as a diaphoretic, um, it absolutely relaxes the body and it does so very quickly. Yeah. So if you were adding a little bit of Lobelia to these other herbs, um, where the other herbs are doing that diaphoretic action and the cooling action, and you're allowing the lobelia to provide that that real strong relaxation, um, that could be a really lovely formula. Yeah. So these herbs, you know, if you if you look at them, almost all of them, maybe uh, especially that that first set, like elderflower, linden, catnip, lemon balm, minty mints, they have those aromatics. You can you can smell them. Uh, you open the jar and you can get a big a big rush of scent mm. um, and those are doing a lot of the work to to release that tension on the surface of the body. You mentioned the bitter note uh, with your skullcap passion flower, betony motherwort, blue vervain kind of group um, and the bitter is a is a taste key there. Uh, Lobelia has that acrid flavor so mm. there are these kind of flavor cues that you can look at and there, there are certainly other plants that can do these jobs. Um, remember these are example uh, plants for the action that we're looking for relaxing and cooling diaphoretic effects diaphoretic if you haven't heard that before it just means to to open the the skin as a pathway of elimination and in this case of elimination of heat mm. you know sometimes people say oh they're plants that make you sweat but it's not always exactly what's going on Right. Um, or, or, or it's not a complete description of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 they don't all directly impact the sweating mechanism, but they do all directly impact the opening of the pores. Mm, yeah. So, um, uh, often when we're working with diaphoretics, we're going to, we're going to give them as hot tea, um, mm. that, that makes the diaphoretic uh, reflex a little bit stronger. But in this case, don't worry, you can still take them chilled. Yeah. Um, that will contribute to cooling down the core of the body, you know. You could also take them as tincture. You could be drinking some chilled uh, mineral-rich tea or some chilled mm -hmm. demulcent tea, taking some droppers of, of, you know, peppermint or vervain or, or one of these other plants um, and having them in that format as well. Right. Yeah. All right. So now we have herbs to get the pores open and you're ready to do that heat exchange. So we need to provide a situation where that exchange can happen. And again, remember, that is the problem with the humidity is that you can sweat all you want, but no exchange is happening because that water can't go anywhere. So air conditioning will get that job, do job done very, very fast. But the problem is that, um, you know, in addition to the energy expenditure, not everyone has it. And even if you do have it and the power goes out, now you don't have now you it. you don't have it. No. Yeah. Um, so air conditioning is kind of a, a short-term solution, um, but it's not really uh, completely sustainable in the long term. Well, I mean, with the way we've set up our power grids, right? Like if, right. If, if we get more decentralized, if we have more individual, you know, home or community solar panels. Mm -hmm. By the way, community solar panels are really, really interesting. And yeah. um, there are some cool projects that are working on that right now. There's a group called the Solstice Project or Solstice Initiative. It's trying to... Um, get into some uh, under-resourced communities and set them up with like centralized solar panels for the whole block. Right, you know? right, right. Um, so there, there are options for this kind of thing. We could, we could make climate control more sustainable, but 
Well, you know, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> this is why we need that infrastructure bill. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Among um, other things. But... And until then, uh, <laughs> let's look at some other options here. Um, so one is to cover over windows so that you're not getting direct sunlight. And listen, this really does help. Yeah. Um, and you can cover them over with whatever, like blankets, um, tinfoil is one that people recommend and it's like, you know, not too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And with that, you know, um, part, part of this is you want to consider what's actually going to happen with the energy entering through the window. If you have tinfoil and it's right up against the glass, it's going to be reflecting all of the sunlight, all of the heat energy. It's, it's not even going to really enter into the house itself. If you have a window and then like a few inches of airspace and then a black curtain, then the sunlight comes in, the heat gets in, and then it 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 permeates the curtain itself, and mm -hmm. so the heat is still kind of getting into your into your home. Right. Um, so something pale colored or reflective, right up against as close as you can to the glass, is probably the most effective way to prevent that heat energy from coming into the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you can open windows and turn on fans overnight, as soon as the temperatures start to drop that will really help as well. And so what you're doing is sort of filling the house up with the cooler night air. And listen, part of the problem in these um, heat situations is that the air doesn't cool off very much overnight. Um, so, you know, you might have a situation where the overnight lows are only getting into the 80s. And that's not really that's not really very cool. Yeah. Um, but we we want to get whatever we can. Um, so as soon as the air outside the house is cooler than the air, air inside the house, then we can start bringing that in. Um, and, uh, and then again, you know, do that cycle the next day that then once the air temperature starts to rise to close everything up to try to hold on to the coolness. Hmm. And if you can create an outdoor shade on the sun exposure parts of the house, then that can be really helpful too. So... And some of this is some stuff that you might be planning ahead, realizing that this is a pattern you're going to see over the next years. Um, but if you can put like a lattice work or a row of trees, like a lattice work that will grow plants, yeah. heat tolerant plants up the up the front of the house, sort of a little bit away from the house, that will shade the whole house. Um, if you can't, you know, I mean, trees take a long time to grow yeah. and if you can get something viney that will grow up a lattice fast, that mm. can be very helpful. Yeah. I mean, even a shade tarp, you know, um, kind of create an awning or create a, mm. create a, a shady area under there. It'll help, you know? Yeah. Um, one, one way to think about this is to look at, at how houses, uh, are constructed, especially, especially historically, um, in regions that typically dealt with heat and humidity. Uh, and see if there are ways that you can replicate some parts of that uh, in your in your current living situation. Mm. Yeah, one thing you'll find regularly in homes that are in hot regions is a lot of tile. So, you know, just like in a cold region, the stone around the fireplace will hold the heat and continue to warm the room after the fire dwindles. Um, it's like the opposite, but the same concept in the South, the tile gets cool overnight and it'll hold on to that coolness. So we can use that to create a cool zone inside your house. You can, you can get some tiles, you can do it with stone too, but, um, you know, tiles might be a little easier to manage. Um, and if you go to like a, 
you know, building store or a home improvement store, they don't need to be fancy. Just whatever is on the clearance rack to get to yeah. get some sort of larger tiles. Yeah, or one of those places where they have like reclaimed materials yes. from some place that was uh, destructed. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So then you could put them in your refrigerator overnight, or if you have a basement, put them in the basement overnight, and then you can lay them out on the floor to sit on or lay on during the hot part of the day, and that creates like a... a a cooler, like it will, it will literally cool off the air in that room. Um, but also if you're laying your body on it, then it is like <laughs> creating a cool zone for your body as well. Yeah. Just thinking about how, um, our dog Elsie, when the day's really hot, she'll, uh, want to go downstairs. Uh, mm -hmm. We have access to the basement where we're living right now and she'll go down there and just, you know, belly down onto the, onto the cold cement. Yes. Um, and, uh, just like re regulate her temperature that way. So that's actually really important because it's not always easy to cool off your pets. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can put your kids in a kiddie pool, you can put yourself in a kiddie pool, but your pets might decline. They might not want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but if you give them access to cool tiles, whether that is in your basement or like that you've artificially created a tile zone, um, for them, uh, with like tiles that you've cooled off, then they will, they will happily lay down on that. You may already see it when, when like they try to go into the bathroom to right. lay down, but yeah. then in this heat, the bathroom floor might not really be much cooler. So yeah. having tiles that you can pick up and put in the refrigerator can really... Um... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you if you can uh, have basement access and if you can go and make a, you know, somewhat more comfortable place to hang out down there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe your Wi-Fi will reach down there and you can, <laughs> you can do some meetings or do some work or whatever uh, in that area. Yeah. Um, that could be beneficial. Um, and it may not be a basement, but it may be one room in the house that's not in direct sunlight, uh, maybe has better air circulation or just holds on to the cool of the night uh, a little bit better through the daytime. <coughs> yeah, a, a room that's on the like north facing side of the house. So it's not um, getting so much direct sunlight can be really helpful, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then look, there are much simpler versions, right? Like a, a, a damp cloth that you put in the freezer for a while or those, those first aid gel cold packs. Um, you can have those, you can just say, all right, we've had a bunch of these hanging around. We haven't really been using them, but now's the time to make sure that they're ready to go, that they're cold. We're stacked up on ice cubes, you know, yep. um, make good use of your, of your freezer space. Also, by the way, remember that um, freezers are more e efficient uh, the fuller they are. Right. Um, so if, if you literally just take, uh, you know, some Tupperware containers and put them halfway full with water, yes. put them into there, now you've got a cold block and you can take that out and, and have that for anybody who needs it. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, even, even having a block of ice floating in your pet's water dish is a great idea Yes. in these kind of situations. Yeah. Or like a, a hot water bottle, but you can, a cold you water can bottle? make it a cold water bottle. Mm, yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just again, don't fill it all the way full because water expands when it freezes. So mm. you have to leave space for it to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, getting into some cool water could help. Um, it's a direct mechanism for heat exchange. Um, water uh, pulls heat out of a body about 25 times faster than air does, mm. um, even at, at the same temperature. So it's it's much uh, more rapid as a way to, to exchange heat there. Um, 
Yeah, yeah it is important to um, make sure that the water isn't too cold, though. Um, be, you know, if you're really hot, you might think, oh, I want to plunge into an ice bath, you know, but... And if you're feeling pretty strong and, you know, uh, resilient and sturdy, then <laughs> then go for it. You know, that's fine. But, sure, sure. But if we're thinking of elders, if we're thinking of children, if we're mm-hmm. thinking of somebody whose health is compromised, we don't want to give them that cold shock. Right. Or even if your health isn't compromised, but you just feel completely exhausted from the heat, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it might it might be very uncomfortable Um and it can be dangerous to to get into water that's too cold. So the water really only needs to be a degree or two cooler um, than the air. It doesn't have to be like even just cold tap water is going to be cold enough um, to get the job done. So, uh, you know, this is where even a kiddie pool in the in one of the rooms of your house, you know, just put some towels down or whatever, but, um, it can, it can be, um, you know, a way to keep things cool. And it might seem a little bit silly to think like that a situation could be extreme enough that we're going to put a kiddie pool in the middle of the living room and everybody's going to take turns in it every hour. Um, but let me tell you when it gets really hot, keeping your body cool becomes a concern that, occupies all of your time yeah Um, and i mean consider if you're like 10th floor in an apartment building you're on the sunny side of the place you know heat rising up from all the all the people living below you all the machinery around everything like that Mm -hmm. it it can get you know uh, pretty extreme yeah so um just sort of if you haven't experienced that kind of urgency in the heat um then it might seem a little strange, but for everybody who has been through it this month, um, then you're probably nodding your heads, but definitely for us, um, there were some times when I, I felt like it was hard to think it Mm -hmm. was hard to tell what was real. It was like having a fever and kind of being just on the border of kind of hallucinating with the heat. Um, and, and then realizing that, like, oh, right, I have to do something now to cool myself. You know, I sort of had – there was one one point in particular where I sort of fell asleep for a while on the couch and didn't really take any action. I just kind of conked out and woke up and I was like, whoa, I feel like I have a really high fever right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really – you know, even though I had been making plans and I had – it was just to kind of wake up in that state of, of heat and to think – Ooh, okay. This is, yeah. you know, and, and so if you haven't experienced this, um, then it might sound a little strange, but a kiddie pool in the living room, y'all, mm-hmm. it can, or, you know, <laughs> in your bathtub also good. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So you might want to just jump right into the refrigerator. Um, and there, <laughs> there are, there are herbs that can actually help with this kind of cooling. Um, we call them refrigerants. <laughs> um, and so, that, yeah, it, they're herbs that help to cool the body down. They, they help to reduce metabolic heat. Uh, they help to support that kind of heat exchange uh, process. Um, so some examples. Cucumber. You may not have thought of it as an herb until this moment, perhaps. But uh, Surprise. Um, literally just cucumber kind of blenderized up in, in some water. Um, I mean, or in slices if you want to crunch it. Or in slices, yeah. Uh, but it, it has this this cooling refrigerant effect on the system. Uh, watermelon is mm-hmm. another one. Uh, it's my personal favorite. It's pretty good, yeah, yeah. And that, that's true, like eating the watermelon flesh, uh, blender, blending it up and drinking it uh, that way, that's fine. Um, but it, it all helps. 
And then a lot of um, sour herbs can help out here too. Mm-hmm. Think about sumac. Yes. Dicorn sumac berry, you know, kind of like a wild pink lemonade situation. Mm-hmm. Um, think about hibiscus and think about the citrus fruits, you know, lemon and lime and orange and grapefruit. Um, all of them are going to have this refrigerant uh, effect to them. And I think that's a, a large part of the reason why humans are so enamored of citrus fruits all over the world and yes. cultivate them extensively. Why lemonade is so ubiquitous when it's hot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You can think about rose hips. You know, those are quite sour as well. Um, and there are some other refrigerant herbs out there in the world, like wild cherry bark, for instance, that has a very cooling quality. It has some sourness to it. It's it's in the rose family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they share, they share some qualities in that way. Um, but again, like taste-wise, look out for either that sour flavor or things where no matter what temperature you eat them at, they taste cool. You know, think of cucumber. Think of watermelon. It doesn't have to be cold to taste cool cooling in your mouth. You've... Right. Like if if your watermelon was out on the counter and it wasn't in the refrigerator um, and then you open it up and you eat it, it still tastes cool. It doesn't, it, like it just, it has that coolness in it, even though it wasn't artificially chilled. Yeah. So this is important. Even if you're caught in a hot situation and the power is out, um, then these herbs could still be helpful, right? Some cucumber, watermelon, Sour plants, rose family plants with that. Basically stock up on watermelon is what we're saying. Watermelon and lemonade. It's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, these are summertime, you know, foods and drinks, right? And Mm. and for this very reason. For this reason. Yeah. So overall, it's important to start early, right? If you're going into a heat wave, you want to make some adjustments to your plans. You want to prepare. You want to think ahead, especially if you don't have air conditioning available. Mm. Change whatever you can in your life to accommodate the heat to allow yourself to slow down and to focus on staying cool when you're in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to stave off these problems in advance than it is to deal with them once they've already occurred. Um, so it's worth whatever you can invest into that planning ahead. Yeah. It can be simple things like getting laundry done ahead of the heat wave um, because washing machines and especially dryers take a ton of energy. So if we can not do that in a time when everybody is using their air conditioning, um, then that actually is going to help make the electrical grid more sustainable. And like this is really something that we have to think about because Mm -hmm. our, our electrical infrastructure is not really built to be able to handle these kinds of needs. Um, so, so even though it's, again, it sounds kind of dumb. Um, if, if a heat wave is coming, do all your laundry before it gets there, uh, or just let it sit in a pile until, until Mm -hmm. it's over. Um, stocking up on, I'm not kidding, lemonade and watermelon, right? Um, if you can keep a watermelon or two in the basement, if you have a basement available and if not just like, um, on the counter, it'll still be cool. Mm. Um, or if you, if you don't, you know, lemonade is shelf stable. So mm. you can just get a bunch of lemonade and have it mm-hmm. uh, in reserve. Mm-hmm. And the lemons yeah. themselves, you know. Yep. Find some yep. sumac trees near you and harvest some of those berry clusters, mm-hmm. you know. Just having having it on hand, having it ready. Um, another thing to think about is making plans for meals that you don't have to cook. Um, and preferably maybe don't need to use a microwave either um, in case the power goes out or just to reduce energy demands uh, yeah. in the midst of the heat. Microwaves are another really big energy draw, yeah. so um, trying to avoid them. You know, when it's hot, we think, oh, well, the microwave won't heat up the house. Yeah. But but we're not thinking about the grid. And 
we've never really had to think about the grid in most places. And sometimes we do, but for mm. the most part, we don't. And now we do. So kind of thinking about the different um, appliances that we have in our homes and the ones that will cause the most uh, instability. Right. If you do need to cook, uh, maybe you can cook outside, right? Mm. Maybe you can cook on a grill uh, or maybe you could plug in a crock pot outdoors <laughs> um, instead of inside the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty low energy device, you know, yeah. uh, but you can, you can unplug everything in the house that you're not actively using. Most things that get plugged in are still going to draw at least a little bit of electricity, even if you're not using them. And that does um, leak some heat uh, into the home as well. It's only a little bit, but pretty soon it can add up. I mean, yeah, like how how many, like you have a computer and you have a this and that, like all the different things in your home and each one of them is maybe raising just a fraction of a degree. But now up. with all of them, you might be getting two degrees mm-hmm. of heat in the house. And if it's already 90 a million, then those extra two degrees are actually, they matter. Yeah. And if you do have air conditioning, you can make plans with friends and neighbors to stay cool together, right? Mm. Cool more people with less energy. Yes. Um, that could be really important. And if you don't, maybe talk to your neighbors. Talk to some friends that live close by and say, hey, can I shelter with you in the in the hottest part of the day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, there are public cooling places. Um and, you know, even if you don't have a public cooling space available, maybe there's a mall that you can go to and that mall is going to be air conditioned regardless. So if you can take a book or whatever and sit at the mall to be cool in the middle of the day, then that's your air conditioner that doesn't need to run because that one was already running. We can mm. kind of think about grouping our energy that way. Right, right. Um, folding kiddie pool situation might yep. be, might be relevant here. Um, something that, that you can store easily, uh, for, for you, for kids, for pets, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, maybe put down like one of those, uh, plastic drop cloths to protect yeah. the floor just in case, you know, a little splash here and there, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that could be a, a way to get, to get that in, throw some ice into it as well. Right. Mm. Um, m- making sure that kids and pets, uh, get some exercise or some outdoor time early in the morning. Uh, and or after the sun goes down um, as much as possible, right? To avoid them being outside in the middle heat of the day and, and mm-hmm. getting exhausted or getting getting heat struck. Um, and if you are going to take a walk, you know, with your dog, then uh, go barefoot yourself or at least touch the pavement with your hands. Um, and, and not for just one second, but like hold your hand on there for five or ten seconds at a time to make sure that it feels comfortable enough that it's safe for your pet's paws. Yeah. Um, you know, early in the morning, uh, is the best time to take the pets out, but of course they have to pee whenever they have to pee. Mm. So, um, making sure that you have a route for them to get to grass. Um, if they have to be on pavement to get to grass, listen, if they won't wear paw protection, which many, many dogs won't, then take some towels and make them a little corridor so that they don't have to have their paws right on the hot pavement because it really can damage really can their burn. paws. Yeah. 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 And when it's hot, um, this is another good time for some alarms. You know, we're actually fans of alarms we're for lots of reasons. Of to alarms, yeah. Remind yourself to move, remind yourself to drink, remind yourself to make your tea and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. in this case, uh, reminder alarms uh, for, for cooling, you know? Overheating can happen really quickly, so intentionally stopping what you're doing, checking in on yourself and on the folks around you every hour or every half hour, 
can be really important. Mm -hmm. Even if you're feeling fine, you want to make sure that you're taking some kind of action to support your body every hour, right? Drinking uh, some refrigerant herbs, drinking some demulsant herbs, some mineral-rich plants, um, uh, getting into the cool water for a little while, taking a quick, cool shower, mm. other things like that. Um, again, on a consistent basis, and ideally while you're still feeling okay, right? Because once you start to feel bad, once you start to feel confused, then it gets a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. So trying to take some action to support yourself every hour. Um, and then if someone is sick or sunburned or elderly or otherwise vulnerable, you're going to be more attentive to them than you might be on a normal day. Um, even someone who doesn't feel well just kind of resting on the couch for half an hour can get heat exhaustion if the room is hot and if they're really not able to cool down. It can happen fast, so the extra attention yeah. is really worth it. Um, again, also think about checking in on neighbors or family members um, who are nearby, um, and particularly those who don't have uh, somebody to, to physically come in and check in on them. Um, in serious heat, uh, it could be a good idea to call in a couple times a day and just talk to them for five minutes or so. What you're watching for is signs of confusion, impaired cognition, um, saying completely random things, and not just for a joke, but right. because they're, they're actually losing, um, losing cognitive function. That's one of the signs of more serious heat damage mm -hmm. to an individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. take care of each other is basically what that what that means. Yeah. And I mean, again, the whole thing here is that that we need to be recognizing that as the climate changes, we have to be more community minded than we maybe have been in the past. I know that especially living in a city, you don't always know your neighbors. You don't always know the people who live in the same building as you. And that's like not an indictment. It's not good or bad it just is the way that it is in many places but it's not going to be able to stay that way we are going to have to make those connections in order to to take care of one another um so that we can care for others and also so that we will have the support we need when we need it um so starting now to start building those community connections that maybe have not been a priority up until now is is important. And it's an important part of preparing for the next big heat wave. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I hope that was uh, informative or inspirational for your <laughs> uh, your preparation planning. Um, we'll be back next time with some more Holistic Herbalism podcast for you. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, drink some tea, drink some tea. and stay cool. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>